Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. And in today's journey through history, we're going to venture over into Marshall, Michigan once again. But we're going to explore the profile of one man named Charles T. Gorham. He was a state senator. He was a merchant store owner as well as a banker out of Marshall. And he had a considerable prominent reputation during his time. And he's got a fascinating historical connection through his family that connects to the founding of our country. So this is going to be a f- interesting profile in history. So come along and join me. Now, the references that I'm going to use today comes from two specific documents. One book I found while I was exploring the Library of Congress on historical biographies in the state of Michigan. And this is a very fascinating book that was published in the year 1900. It's called Cyclopedia of Michigan, Historical and Biographical comprising a synopsis of general history of the state. And it includes biographical sketches of men who have in their various spheres contributed towards its development. And it has some great illustrations that were made with steel plates in the printing process as portraits. And they're really good portraits of uh, some of the people they profile in this book. Charles Gorman's portrait, unfortunately, is not in there, but a biography on him is in the book. And so I'm going to refer to that as you probably have never heard this reference before, nor have I. Um, This was the first time for me uncovering this document. And then the other book that I'll reference is the History of Calhoun County, written by Washington Gardner. And he's got a write-up on Charles Gorham. Now, his book was published after Gorham passed away. So there will be some interesting comparisons. When the Cyclopedia of Michigan was published, Gorham was still alive. And as I mentioned before, Charles T. Gorham was best known for his influence in the city of Marshall. His parents were William and Polly Gorham. Polly's maiden name was Weed. And they were from... Connecticut, and he was born in Danbury, Connecticut in May of 1812. And they were descendants of early English settlers in the country. Now, even in those days, the name of Gorham was a somewhat prestigious one in the realm of political affairs, because a relative of his, Nathan Gorham, was a delegate to the first United States Constitutional Convention that was held in New York. And I believe that was his grandfather. So that is quite an interesting connection to history. Now, Charles obtained his early education in the public schools of his locality. And at the age of 18, with his love of learning and his desire to equip himself thoroughly for life's battles, he prepared himself for college, intending to complete a course at Hamilton College. But the marked business 
qualities which he possessed had attracted the attention of a leading and successful merchant of the interior in New York, and he persuaded the young man to abandon his college preparations and accept a position in his mercantile house. So Mr. Gorham continued in this position for five years in the mercantile house, and appreciating the advantages that it offered for him as a young man, and it gave him the aspiration, as many men in that period of time, to go west, and he decided that he would do that and seek his fortunes there. So he moved to Marshall, Michigan in 1836. He engaged in trade in company with a man by the name of C.M. Brewer. And their firm was a large and prosperous business until about 1840, when Mr. Gorham disposed of his interest to Mr. Brewer and opened a private bank. So he was in the mercantile business with Brewer until 1840. And then he opened the bank. And then he conducted with great success in the banking business until 1865, when it became incorporated as the First National Bank of Marshall, with Mr. Gorham as president. So initially it was a private bank, and then it became incorporated as the First National Bank in 1865. Now, under his successful management, it became a very high-ranking bank within the state of Michigan. It was one of the most soundest and prosperous financial institution in its day in western Michigan. And he remained at the head as president until he died. And he was actually the oldest living banker in the state west of Detroit during that time period uh, in the latter years of his life. In 1859, though, he entered into public life in Michigan and accepted a nomination for the state Senate. And he was successfully elected to that position, his first go-around of being nominated. And as with other aspects of his life, he served honorably and with great credit to himself and the satisfaction of his constituents. And he was most notable for organizing the militia system in the state of Michigan, as little change had been made since the state was formed. Now, Mr. Gorham was appointed a major general of the state troops and by personal efforts contributed materially to the efficiency of the organization of the militia in the state of Michigan. Now, he declined a renomination to the Senate in 1861. In 1864, he was a delegate to the Baltimore Convention, which renominated Mr. Lincoln. And then in 1868, he was a delegate at large to the Cincinnati Convention, which named General Grant for the presidency. So he was a delegate to two different presidential nominating conventions with the Republican Party. Mr. Gorham was a patriotic citizen with a lot of zeal for his country and welfare, and he had an unceasing efforts in the support of the government during the War of the Rebellion, which is the Civil War. During the early times when you read a lot of these documents, especially when it was written right after 1865, right after the Civil War, they still referred to it as the War of the Rebellion. The term Civil War didn't come into popular use until many years later. Now, in 1870, in recognition of his services to his country and the party, the president tendered him the mission to Chile. 
This honor, Mr. Gorham declined, but in the same year, having been without a solicitation, was appointed minister to the Hague, and he accepted that position. This effectively made him ambassador to the Netherlands, which is where Hague is. It's the seat of government in the Netherlands. And so his popularity over there in Holland was incredible with the people and the press, and he received many complimentary notices even after he resigned in 1875. In appreciation of his services to both countries, the Dutch government offered him a decoration, but with true American spirit, he declined it. During his residence in Europe, Mr. Gorham traveled extensively, becoming familiar with many of the countries, their peoples, and their manners, and their customs. And he was also quite a lover of art, and he was especially interested in the works of the great masters. But I want to back it up for a minute. The term Netherlands and Holland often get mixed up when people refer to the country over there. Um, Holland and the Netherlands are not necessarily interchangeable. Um, Netherlands refers to the two divisions of the area that we know of Holland. There's like the North Holland part, which is called Noord, and the southern part, which is Zuid. And they were basically two provinces, and they were formed under the Kingdom of the Netherlands. There's a little history of that in Britannica if you want to check it out. But their main cities is Amsterdam, Rotterdam, and The Hague. And they're all considered in the same region, which is referred to as Holland. So Holland typically refers to the region, and Netherlands refers to the two different provinces and the different uh, cities that comprise the Hollands. So it gets a little confusing to us foreigners, and I've never visited Holland, but I've always wanted to go. So that's just a little bit of sidestep. So when they referred to that both countries were honoring him, they were talking about both provinces of the Netherlands because he was an ambassador to The Hague, but he also had a lot of interactions with the other province there in Holland and spent a lot of time traveling around during that time period. So remember, this is around the 1870s period, and I am certainly no expert on the history of Holland or the region. So if some people are listening out there that are of that ancestry and they're saying, oh, you got it wrong, that's uh, feel free to chime in in the comments on this podcast episode. I'd love to hear from you about it and point me to the right references. But I was just trying to clear that point up because it was a little confusing in reading about Gorham's history as the ambassador to The Hague and then having them step up and refer to two different countries were thanking him when he ultimately resigned in 1875. So as I mentioned before, he was a lover of art and a had a lot of affinity for the works of the great masters. And his collection of original works that he secured while he was over there was quite a fine collection. I don't know whatever happened to that, or maybe some of those are on display at some of the historical places there in Marshall. But that might be something to reach out to the Historical Society about. But when he returned to the United States, he was appointed the Assistant Secretary of the Interior under Secretary Chandler, who availed himself of 
Charles Gorham's sound judgment, and they became good friends in government. In 1877, Mr. Gorham retired from the department, and though he was strongly urged to remain, he decided to stick with his retirement, and he returned to Marshall, Michigan. Now, he was a consistent member of the Presbyterian Church in Marshall since as early as 1844. And in his early life, in April of 1839, Mr. Gorham married Miss Charlotte Hart, formerly of Durham Green County, New York, and they had three children, two sons and a daughter, and Charles continued his position as the president of the First National Bank of Marshall. Now, in the history of Calhoun County, Washington Gardner refers to his involvement with the First National Bank as it was one of the most substantial and popularly valued financial institutions of Calhoun County, with large deposits and a prosperous business. And it had a tremendous quality personnel running the bank as well. And the bank itself weathered all kinds of financial storms successfully through the years of its operation. Now, Charles T. Gorham passed away in 1901, and his son, Charles E. Gorham, succeeded him in the presidency of the bank. Now, Charles E. Gorham was born in Marshall, Michigan in September of 1855, and he acquired his early education in the public schools, and he passed five years in Europe while he availed himself of the advantages of the best educational institutions over there while his father was serving in the Netherlands. And then in 1877, he became the messenger in the First National Bank of Marshall, when his father returned to Marshall, and he was soon promoted to the position of teller. And from that, he advanced to assistant cashier. And then when the the full elected cashier of the bank, Norris Frank, passed away, he was moved into that position. And then in 1902, he was elected as the president of the bank after his father passed away. Now, his entire business career was fully identified with that financial institution. He spent his entire life in that banking operation that his father had established. Now, he was also married himself in June of 1885. He married Miss Florence Walton, who was from Rockford, Illinois. And he was very active within the community. He was a member of the Masons. He was a member of the Knights of Templar and a whole list of other service clubs during that time period. And he and his wife, Florence, went on to have two daughters that were raised in Marshall. Now, there's an interesting note I would mention about Charles T. Gorham. The Find a Grave reference and his headstone indicate that he died in 1901. But the uh, history of Calhoun County, Washington Gardner has him listed as dying in 1902. And I think there was a bit of confusion. It could have been a year before his son took over as president of the bank, and, and Charles did die in 1901. According to this document here at the Find a Grave, he passed away in March of 1901 at the age of 88. So it's probably just a little bit of a mix-up, and it's not the first time I have found slight discrepancies in history of Calhoun County, as well as a few other biographical references that I've referred to. When you cross-reference material, you have to kind of uh, sort out what is the truth 
of each one. And um, oftentimes what's carved in the headstone is, is usually the one to go with. <laughs> so, But uh, Charles E. Gorham, his son, passed away in 1926. And both father and son contributed a tremendous amount during their time in the city of Marshall. But that's going to conclude today's journey through history, looking at a little history of Marshall on this biographical look at Charles Truesdale Gorham, Charles T. Gorham, who had a tremendous influence not only in the city of Marshall with his success as a merchant and a banker, but also as a representative in the Senate for the state of Michigan, and then his service as a ambassador to Holland, as well as his son, Charles E. Gorham, who continued to make the First National Bank a success during his time. So I always find it fascinating to explore some of the profiles of names that come up. Charles T. Gorham comes up a lot when you study martial history as one of the prominent men from that time period in the late 1800s, along with many others that helped found the city of Marshall. And it's always interesting to look at. Now, they're all buried at Oak Ridge Cemetery in Marshall. And so that's uh, part of the local history over there. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to leave a rating or a review or subscribe to the podcast on whatever app that you are listening on. And if you'd like to reach out to me, you can find me at michaeldelaware.com. I'm always happy to hear from my listeners. And this episode is airing on Friday. On Saturday, I will be at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum doing a special event on Oak Hill Cemetery with Dave Eddy and Jim Jackson. You may have heard me mention that throughout the week. There are still some tickets available for that. I'll put the link to that in the description of this episode. So if you happen to have time on Saturday afternoon, stop on by the museum at 307 West Jackson Street. There's still some print tickets available as of Friday when I release this episode. So hopefully you'll be able to make it. I'd love to meet you guys at this event. It is always fun to talk a little bit of local history, especially with these fun characters of Mr. Eddie and Mr. Jackson. So until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday and we explore even more fascinating tales of Southwest Michigan's past. Thank you for listening. <laughs>